Okay. Yeah. Can I borrow your waffle maker? For what? <laughs> this look of sheer like, <laughs> like I just asked if I could have one of your kidneys. <laughs> I I need to. What for? <laughs> Mine broke. Oh well. To be honest, I haven't What's used that? the waffle iron in quite a while now. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I was really super sad. Like one day it worked, and I made tons of waffles and was really happy. And then the next time I plugged it in, nothing. Like that is pretty heartbreaking. And I'm there's sorry. no switch or anything. There's not like an on and off switch. You just plug it in or don't. And it's just it's dead. And I'm really sad. I'm sorry to hear that. No waffles for me. No waffles. Well, can you at least have Eggos for the time being? I have done that, but it's not the same. I know. You've been there. You've made your own waffles. You can't go back after that. No. I try making your own calamari salad on a waffle iron and then go into a normal calamari salad. It's two completely different worlds. Wow. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, who puts truffle oil on an Eggo? It, you just can't do it. <clears throat> Only when you're uh, Chef Boyardee over here. Chef Bad Boyardee. Wow. <laughs> that was awesome. Bow! And then we got boom, 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 boom. Welcome to Don't Drink the Tea. It's the Agatha Christie podcast where we analyze our books one by one. I'm Yush. I'm Zick. <laughs> <laughs> and I have no J's in my name. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. It's nice to see y'all. Nice to see you guys again. Yeah. Nice to be together. Yeah. As friends, as people that all have hair, <laughs> the two things we have in common. <laughs> yeah, we all have hair. That's just good. Uh, we're going to try to keep our spirits high in this episode. We're all wearing shirts. Well, we besides Zach. <laughs> I'm wearing an experience. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. None of us are wearing glasses now. Very good. Charlotte took off her glasses. Should I go put on now. mine? No. You've never had, you haven't done that in weeks. Why would you do it now? I haven't done it in months, Josh. Sorry. <laughs> you go dig them out from under the tires of your car in the driveway. Josh's car. I only ran over him like six times. <laughs> Sixty, maybe. Well, we're going to try to keep our spirits high in this episode, even though, as you listeners probably know, our uh, new agent, uh, Danny Shabom, was recently murdered. Um, he was turned into a science fair volcano. We don't know that it's murder. Yes, he he has a mysterious death. That's true. Unexplained, yes. But it still needs to be solved. Right. I do want to say, though, I felt weird opening it, like not on the podcast. I got a package from Danny. It's postmarked before the date of his death, I assume, because... Officer Tibbetts didn't let us know when that was. No. He said recently, but it also kind of sounded like he found him you know, and then I don't him. trust that Officer Tibbetts. My money's on him as the culprit. If you think he's murdered, I think, you think it, it was. You think it's a dirty cop? You think it was I a self report? Tommy Tibbetts. <laughs> what? You, you, so you think that he found the body and then called us to cover up his tracks? I don't think he's even a cop. What was he dressed like? 
He had a hat. Well, he had on this red shirt that looked surprisingly like yours. And well, he was wearing common. a mask, but he was in the car by himself. So I don't see why he needed to be wearing a mask talking it to look, us. It didn't look like a cop car either. He, yeah, he didn't show us any creds. Oh. No. It looked like, if I had to guess, like a dark gray Ford Fiesta. Like 2017-ish. Yeah. It had that vibe, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, just because he he's not actually a cop, you know, doesn't mean that he that he murdered Danny Shabom. Let's not jump to any conclusions. But why would he fake being a cop? We will find out. Many people do. <laughs> yes, I have. You have. Yeah. And how did he get our information to just like zoom bomb us? Maybe it was maybe on, that was in Danny Shabom's pocket because he wrote down the code and right right after he came back from. Can you hold that right after he came back from Egypt? I'm gonna go open the package. Maybe that'll shed some light on it. Okay. I wouldn't do it if I were you. Oh, he's gonna. All right. That's a pretty big box. What do you think's in there? I don't know. What? When Hope Springs New by Janet Oak? What? It's a novel. When Hope Springs New by Janet Oak. The sequel to When Breaks the Dawn. Leaving behind their dear friends in Beaver Creek, Elizabeth and Wynne take over an even more primitive outpost in the Canadian Northwest. Elizabeth finds herself totally isolated because of the Indian woman's fear to even communicate with her. They thought they had already faced the most crushing disappointment of their lives when they saw little Sammy disappear from view in the arms of his father. Would they be able to survive the challenges ahead? What do you think this means? Well, wait, in the in his, uh, in that in the Gordon Lightfoot song. It was like, if you could read my mind, I would. it would be a paperback novel and I would be the hero. Do you think there's some sort of clues that Danny Shabon is like the protagonist of this book? Um, so does that make him, what, what were the girls' names? Elizabeth, Elizabeth and Wynn, who uh, left behind Beaver Creek. So he's probably Wynn. <laughs> I, would, I would guess. Zach, you think you could read this book and give a report back to us? No. Do you think you can read the summary on Wikipedia while we talk about the other stories? Yes. And then get back to us on maybe that could shed some light on Danny Shabon's Yes, death. I can probably do that. All right. Well, today we're talking about uh, the next book written by Christy. It's actually a collection of short stories called... What? Give me the book. Oh, sorry. I need to... Uh, be it's called to Murder in the Muse. And that is... That's going to be what? The 28th book that we've read? And yes, and this is the 36th episode that we are recording now. Oh, 36? Woo! <laughs> Very nice. Also, Danny Shea. It's kind of like, well, like October the 10th, 2010. Like, you know, 10, 10, 10. And it's only going to happen once. So let's really celebrate this episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this book was... Uh, According to AgathaChristie.com. Uh, incarnations, hasn't it? Like when I was reading a little bit yeah. about it on her website, it was, it was really vague. It was like, this story is in this collection and also it was in a magazine and right. that's it. <laughs> I think they were all in magazines and they are almost novella length instead of short story. So I think not only were they in magazines, but they were also split up into many different sections and then compiled into collections, but... A lot of them were different. Like some of them were only three of the stories. Some of them had the fourth, Incredible Theft, but some of them did not. 
And I think that's why we kind of weren't sure whenever we were comparing the Wikipedia list and the Agatha Christie list before we went with the Agatha Christie list. Yeah, because this book, it says, is 1937 after uh, Dumb Witness and Death on the Nile. But because we had been going by the Wikipedia list, because of my stupid mistake, well, I should probably blame it on Danny Shabon. That sounds like something he would do. Um, well, now, um, on the back of this copy that you let me borrow so nicely because I didn't own this one either. You're um, welcome. It has, it says the, the Hercule Poirot, Poirot, <laughs> man. Poirot? Poirot, Mistowies, and it <laughs> has them in order, and it has ABC murders, murder in Mesopotamia, cards on the table, murder in the muse, and then done okay. after that. So it's still a little wonky, but I don't yeah, think- Yeah, so that's the, that's the order that we originally were doing in Wikipedia. The official website says it differently, and we're going with the official website now. So we are going to jump out of order for Murder and the Muse, and after that, everything will be straightforward from there. I don't think anybody's going to be too angry, and if they are, we don't care. If, they, if you have any complaints, please send it to our agent, and he'll be happy to send you a reply. Oh, Josh. Oh, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Um, so this, uh, I thought since instead of like, usually like having 12 short stories or like 10 to 12, we could actually discuss a little more in depth about each of the stories because there's only four of them. Right. So it's, Um, I can't even find this book. (laughs) I can't find it at all on Wikipedia. I have tried so many places. Search Janet Oak. I did on Wikipedia and I went to her books and there's not a link. No one's made uh, Wikipedia page because <laughs> nobody cares except for apparently. I think it's from the Shabon. Scroll through. Skim it. through it. We'll skim through. It. I'm not sure if Charlotte is still with us. If she's still talking, or if she was getting too close. Okay, to... now we. It's just us in the in the Zoom call. So I'm going to talk about one of the stories why Charlotte is gone. Uh, the uh, Should I pay attention to this. To add some like uh huhs. You don't have to. Okay. Um. So one of the stories is called Dead Man's Mirror. Uh, that one is about a man who he summons Poirot to come to his house. He's very rich and is eccentric and everybody talks about how he's arrogant. He summons Poirot to come to his house and says he's being like charged with fraud. Poirot comes to his house. He goes to dinner and everybody's shocked that this guy is not at dinner. Like they're saying this guy is always, he's a stickler for time. He's always at dinner at like 804. Exactly. Crazy. He's always there. And they don't see him. So then they go up to his room and he had shot himself uh, and the bullet came through his head and cracked the mirror that he had just bought. So Poirot has to solve this crime, which is uh, like pretty much an impossible crime. Nobody could have been there at the time. And he has to try to figure out what is this fraud? The guy. So the, the, the weird part of the story is the guy never had any sons, but he was super uh, insistent that his name, his legacy pass on. Like, you know, just the same as you would want the Taylor name to pass on. Right. So he only had a daughter. So he was like, you know, once I'm dead, it's going to stop. So he made a clause in his will that whoever married her had to change their name to hers. In order to get the money. In order for her to get the money. He also went to change it to another clause right before he died that she had to marry uh, his nephew because she was an adopted daughter. She had to marry his nephew so she would take the name and he would be like his son so he had all these crazy clauses and everybody said like these are never going to work in court like if she like 
didn't go with this, like she, if she sued in court, she could get the money without having to do any of those things. Right. But he was killed in that way. The, the whole point is they, they, the interesting part of the story is that they bang a gong, get it on, bang the gong, get it on. At yeah. certain points of the day to say like dinner's going to start or so they bang the gong at like 840 or no, no, wait for that, like 440 and then at five to say dinner was going to start. Mm-hmm. And so everybody heard the gong and they came down and they're like, well, why isn't dad here? And like, that's when they, they found that his body was dead. The way Poirot solves the crime, and this is kind of the most interesting part of the story, is that the way the murder happened was that when the killer shot the guy, the bullet passed through his head and hit the gong. Oh. And so, but then the killer realized, oh, everybody's going to know I just killed them and that I'm the only person who's down here. And so they very quickly uh, close the door and lock it and then crack the mirror. So they'll think that the mirror got broken instead of the bullet went through and hit the mirror. And then they go out and later on, they make a gunshot sound with champagne. And that's when people open the door. So they think it's the wrong time. So I thought that was a cool way of like confusing the time. Um, I meant to talk about this in my intro while we're waiting for Charlotte. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll cut some of this out. So I'm reading this book right now called A Man Lay Dead, which was written in like the 30s. And it's, it's a mystery book. But if it is, I think it is the precursor to Among Us in literature. Okay. Because, well, Agatha Christie wrote two books. Red was looking a little sus. Yeah, because uh, they saw Red Vent in like the first chapter. <laughs> But but everyone didn't believe him because Blue was being annoying, so they voted him out first. Did you hate it when that happens? But the first, Chrissy wrote two books where they were supposed to be like a murder mystery party that went wrong and somebody actually died. Um, and we'll get to those later. They're like in the 50s and 60s and they're both pretty good. But this book is about that. But it, it's so close to Among Us because everybody gets these random cards. They're like, oh, you're a normal person. You're a normal. One of them is the murderer or like the imposter. They go up to the person and they'll say like you're dead and they have to drop dead and then they try to run away in the house to be at a different spot when somebody finds the person dead they have to bang the gong and then everybody gets together and talks about where was everybody in the house so uh it's i feels like the novel version of among us but in the book obviously the gong gets uh struck and the guy who's supposed to be the murderer is like in the bathtub at the time he was taking a bath because they had like a weekend to do this. It was a rich person that had it going mm. on. And so he's like, well, like, I don't know what's going on, but I'll pretend like I do. And he gets out of the tub and they go to the guy that they found and he's actually been stabbed to death. Mm. And the guy in the tub was like, and I have not finished it yet. It's by Niall Marsh. I mean, they did. And my theory is that the guy in the tub actually did it before he got up in the tub. That's my theory. Um, fun fact, that song, what's the one? Splish, splash, I was taking a bath. About that's that about that yeah oh, well, maybe yeah, all upon a saturday night because it's about taking a bath and then there's a party going on and you're like well better go to the party you know a lot more about that song than i do i didn't know the, the, the plot well i heard it one day with uh my co-worker huh. carl and he explained it to me no i was listening to the lyrics more closely than i usually would you were feeling more insightful that <laughs> i was like what is this song about because he goes up because he can he, i just say really quick yeah yeah it's slowly turning into hot tub album reviews. It's slowly. <laughs> and everybody's being love blessed it. because of it. Danny would love that. Um, but it's it's like I, I believe I believe this is how the plot goes to that song. I'll t- he I'll comes t- he comes home after a long day and he's like, I'm tired. I'm gonna take a bath. 
And so he goes and he starts taking a bath. But then he starts hearing the ruckus downstairs. And he's like, well, what's that? And a party's going on in his house. While he's taking a bath. While he's taking a bath. And he's like, there's a party? Better go grab my dancing shoes. And he grabs his dancing shoes and he joins the party. Now that is a good sport. Because I would have just yelled at everyone to get out. Yeah. If somebody just like started a party in my house. Especially like when I take a bath or a shower when I'm alone in the house. Mm-hmm. I am singing loudly. And I don't want people just coming in. Well, that's why people were partying because they heard it from the street and they were oh, like, was that they were like "Yeah, we're jamming now, I got you, buddy." I so, hello, Charlotte. Did you I... seriously leave the recording going that whole time? Well, I since to not waste time, I discussed one of the stories. Uh, hopefully, not one of the ones that you particularly wanted to talk about. And we also discussed a little bit of splish splash. I was taking a bath and a book that I'm reading right now. A book that who's reading right now? Is that I'm the reading. book that is that the book that Zach is reading? Splish Splash I was taking No. Is that no. you know the song Splish Splash I was taking a bath? Okay. Yes, I, I thought it was based on a book. Yeah, they've already they already know. But actually this book Zach says that he cannot nobody's written a Wikipedia article about this book, evidently. When but, here's, new. but here's the thing. I think the chapter titles tell a lot. Okay. If you think about it, I think it really tells the story of what Danny's been going through in his life recently. <laughs> is there one called Give Yourself a Haircut? <laughs> there isn't. Catch but I think, I think this is him in a more serious note, you know, uprooted uh-huh. from his stamp collecting to, to be in a town. So he uprooted his stamp collecting, Smoke Lake. That's where I think he decided to become a talent agent. I heard him mention uh, his weekend trip at Smoke Lake. Yeah, exactly. A new home with us, the Don't Drink the Tea slash, more importantly, Hot Tub Album Reviews crew. Uh, Getting settled into that job, but then Lonely Days. Oh, no. (laughs) Because I I have not been answering this call since we learned in parts of the table. It's true. Uh, Blueberry Pie, Winter, Neighbors, I think Daniel. The fat kid who oh, cuts his grass. Maybe that's the one. Spring, planting the seed. So he's talking about grass right there. Introductions to summer. Panic. He's panicking. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty self-explanatory. Are we going to go through all these? Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's, it's really telling a lot. I think if you go through and you read this book, Josh, because we all know I won't. Oh, boy. Well, maybe a fan out there has read it and they can input. But right. I think the chapter titles that you did read have given us some insight i think so i think i think we're figuring out it has something to do with maybe some of his neighbors so yeah maybe we should talk about to tippins about what who his other neighbor is i mean we have the daniel on one side the fat kid who mows his grass maybe it might not be daniel you remember he had an idk in the contact name that's true it might not his name might not be daniel maybe idk is a clue maybe he's going to the idk store (laughs) okay so i I don't know (laughs) i discussed dead man's mirror would you like to, to take on with uh, uh, Incredible Theft or Murder in the Muse? Discuss one of those two. Okay. Zach is going to do Triangle at Rhodes. Oh, okay. Um, so the Incredible Theft was about a, like a, a gentleman, uh, was he a lord, I think? I think so. He worked for the Air Ministry or something like that. And it was, so this is pre-World War II, right? Mm-hmm. When this was yeah, thirties. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, he was, he had made these plans for a new type of metal for a new 
airplane or something like that. Anyway, these top secret plans. And he suspected this one woman of being a, like a double agent or like somebody who would get secret documents. It was a woman who would sell to any country that she could. Right. And so he wanted to trap her, this Lord, was it Lord Mayfair, I think? Mm-hmm. That sounds familiar. And so he has a dinner party and invites several people, including this woman. And then the plans end up missing. So mm-hmm. Poirot wasn't there, right? They like call him at like two o'clock in the morning or something. Yeah, because the Lord's like assistant or something kept saying like, let's call him in. And he's like, oh, I don't want a foreigner involved in this. You know, it's supposed to be like hush hush. And then they kept saying like, this guy's really good. And eventually talks him into calling Poirot in. Yeah, because there's two older gentlemen. And in the book, I could never keep them apart. It was Lord, like George Mayfair. No, it was Charles Mayfair and George Carrington. And I could never keep them apart, which one was which one I was. Right. Thinking. Yeah. Wasn't there a Carlisle and also a Charlie too? Carlisle was the, uh, like this, the secretary. And yeah. they, it, it made sense that he was the one who stole them. Because the circumstances was it really could have only been him. Right. The, the, um, the Lord was like, no, absolutely not. I'll, I'll always defend him. It, it, he didn't do it. Right. And the woman that they suspected who was had an American accent. Yeah. Uh, which I like the way she described it. I think that was one of the things that I marked. Or maybe it didn't. Anyway, this is something about she had that her accent was like, intriguing without being annoying or something and i was like oh i like that that's what they think of an american accent yeah. <laughs> like thanks for not overdoing it um this is especially Vanity. especially if you watch the poirot did you watch the tv version yeah where very clearly a british woman trying to do an american accent to play that character <laughs> she didn't have very many lines but it was like i mean she didn't go like full texan or anything but it was no like, no no yeah very flat yeah because they're like all having their little like pre-dinner tea or something and she comes out in this ridiculous dress and she goes like oh how british it was yeah overdone. pretty bad yeah uh did you watch the movie versions of all of them yes i could not find dead man's mirror at first it, it was another one of those that somehow like got yeah dropped on britbox but i did find it on youtube again that is specifically the the one I, I talked about the story, but I saved this for when you got here because I did specifically want to talk about the movie version of that. Did you see who wrote it? No. Was that one of the ones that Anthony Horowitz did? Yeah, Anthony Horowitz wrote the script for it, which is interesting because I really did not like that episode to start with. I didn't either. <laughs> yeah. So the story was, I liked that the story was, even though it was short, they really focused on the characters. Like, that's one of the weaker parts of the of the Poirot short stories is they'll have a bigger cast and you interview them for five seconds, you can't tell them apart. But in the story, he did spend a lot of time with each character so that it did feel like a pretty fair mystery. And I enjoyed that. But in the movie, they kind of cut that out. And instead, they did this fire that like Poirot and Hastings and Jap had to save this guy from a fire. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at the end, there was this part where the killer uh, pretended to be because uh, the 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 lady who was married to the oh, rich guy yeah, that's talked right. about the one who thought that yeah, yeah she thought she was the reincarnation of some Egyptian uh, servant who served a queen I can't remember who um, and so at the end the killer to try to get that lady to kill herself and act like she committed the crime pretended to be 
the voice of that Egyptian servant, like talking from the walls and doing this awful accent and being like, so kill yourself and tell everyone you did it. And it, that was not in the story. And I was like, this is awful. But it's interesting that Anthony Horowitz wrote it. Um, and I was looking at the trivia for that episode and he wrote quite a few of the Poirot episodes of the short story ones. He also wrote Evil Under the Sun and Lord Edgeware Dies for the novels. But he he was delivered as a baby by Jack Suchet, which was David Suchet's father. Are you serious? And then he went on to write the scripts for the Poirot series. That sounds that like it's weird. That no, it's true. Because Anthony Horowitz did this whole quote about how he owes his life to David Suchet's dad. <laughs> that is hilarious. That's that's a fun bit of trivia. Yeah. Anyway, that episode was not. Um, well, and that the thing about I don't know what you guys talked about when I wasn't here um, with the story, but I liked Dead Man's Mirror the story all the way up until like the last chapter and a half. And then I felt like it really went off the rails. So I really didn't care what they did to the movie version, to be honest. Mm, you didn't like the solution? I didn't like the, she did that thing when she's, she did it one other time and we talked about it. Like, I felt like she just did not give you enough information that she just mm. kind of hurriedly threw a bunch of stuff in at the end. Like, well, you know what, at this point, like, like nobody was paying attention and she just like, oh yeah. And by the way, we threw this in there like oh yeah this woman went off and got married and you didn't need to know that and it just felt right at the end to me i i think the movie version did a better job of if it had taken out the part with like the egyptian servant and the fire it did a good job of showing you those things because it like showed you that the couple got married at the beginning and i felt like it was pretty fair if they just cut out all that extra stuff right and the thing that i really liked about the story was that it was it was atypical for Christie because it wasn't like oh everybody was having a dinner party and then whoops somebody died, like Poirot got invited there by this guy and this guy was like a complete eccentric. Mm -hmm. He had no explanation for any of the stuff that he did. He was just a crazy old rich guy. And yeah. In the movie they tried to make or in the TV version they tried to make him kind of like normal, and that annoyed me because it was just straight. This guy was rich and crazy and he didn't have to answer to anybody and i liked right. that and they just kind of disregarded all of that and even in the story you never actually like talk to him he uh he's dead before poirot even gets to see him mm. so but in the in the show they made him more of a character at the beginning and kind of wasted time on that which is why they had to really rush things later on um yeah so the an incredible theft the story version was pretty faithful uh i thought it was a little slow uh it didn't keep my attention quite as much, but I thought it was pretty faithful. It had that um, that great car chase. Yeah. Where Hastings is like- I didn't realize. Mrs. Vanderlyn, and it, it's like a 20 minute car chase. And it's like, not even a, technically a car chase, that there are cars right. involved. Cars moving. I didn't realize until we I watched all four of these, because whenever they make the, the novels, they'll either stay pretty close to it or they don't ever try to modernize it by adding action scenes. But all four of these episodes that they made into, uh, or stories that they made in episodes, with each one, they added some sort of action that wasn't in the book. Like for Dead Man's Mirror, it was the fire and then the, the Egyptian servant at the end, it was the car chase for Incredible Theft. And then the other two, well, no, Murder in the Muse was pretty straightforward actually, but- uh, yeah, There wasn't any like gratuitous um, 
car chases or gratuitous fires but like she does the what the woman woman plays like the entire golf course trying that's to get true yeah clubs, which was not in the book at all but i i actually liked that part but that one was a little slow too i thought like because it's a sh- pretty short story to stretch out to and that actress never moved her top lip when she talked and so that distracted me so Mur- why don't you tell talk about what murder in the muse is about because i would say it's the best story of all four of them i don't know about you Oh. Or, well, either that one or Triangle at Rhodes. I liked Triangle at Rhodes, but there's there's other stuff to unpack with that one. Um, but yeah, the, the... I'll get there. <laughs> yeah, Murder in the Muse is about... Um, the There's a, a national holiday that, that the UK has called Guy... It's F-A-W-K-E-S. It's Fox? I think it's Fox. Yeah. Nice. What does the fox say? <laughs> <laughs> or bonfire night. And they always set off fireworks. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of the point of it. So the somebody at the very begin, the beginning of the story says, hey, that'd be a great night for a murder because no one would hear the gunshot. Hastings, then, right? I can't remember if it was Hastings. It was, I think it was Hastings or Jap. Because it was Hastings in the show, yeah. Because in the, in, yeah, in the movie, they're both in it. Yeah, but I don't think Hastings is in the book. Oh, okay. Anyway, so then the next morning, Jap calls Poirot and he's like, "Hey, you remember that thing we said? That joke we made? Well, guess what? Somebody died. His name's Danny Shaybaum, and <laughs> there was some vinegar and baking soda involved. I'm not really sure what happened. No, it was a lady. <laughs> yes, a woman uh, apparently uh, committed suicide, but. It's suspicious because the gun was found in her right hand, but the bullet hole was in her left temple. Right. I think this story, it surprises me that Christy wrote this in a short story. Like with the twist and the plot of it, I feel like it's an idea that, do you think it could have worked in a novel if she added other elements to it? Because it seems like one of her, it, it's a twist that I think is unique to her. I think it's a really clever twist. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's interesting to me that she didn't use it uh, for a bigger piece that she said in a short story that isn't quite as read as her novels, you know? Right, because that's what I wrote down on my scrawled piece of paper here, that it felt like that in her short story, she was testing out these ideas to see what they would do better. Mm-hmm. Like, she has a novel called They Do It With Mirrors, which has, not, it's not the same storyline, but it has the same element as Dead Man's Mirror. And then, of course... Triangle of Rhodes has is basically evil under the sun reworked. Right. So yeah, I feel like she could have taken that and broadened it into something bigger because you had there was there was that was a small cast too, which yeah was kind of nice. There was right. the, the woman who died. There was her roommate who was not there, so not really under suspicion, even though she behaved suspiciously. The woman's fiance, who was like a member of parliament. And then an old um, colleague from India or something who turned out to be a blackmailer. So yeah, you could have probably expanded that into something bigger. Yeah, so we could probably talk about the twist of this one since it's just a short story, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what I really like about this one is it's classic Christie of being the exact opposite of what you think. Instead of a murder made to look like suicide, it was suicide made to look like murder. Right. So the lady really did kill herself and it was her roommate, right? That that 
the roommate found her and right. left a note saying why she did it. It was because the guy, oh, the guy who she'd known from her past was blackmailing her. Right. What's his name? I can't remember. Not important. Yeah. No. So that's why she killed herself. And so the roommate was mad about this. And she, in her mind, the blackmailer might as well have killed her. So she like got rid of the note and she switched the gun so that people would investigate the death and knew it would come back to him. Major Eustace. Yeah, that was it. And I think that's just a really cool twist in that. But it's interesting that she does the, it's not murder, it's suicide twist in another story that's not a novel. And that's the play version, not spoil it, but we'll get to it. It's the play version of Appointment with Death. Because Appointment with Death is a straight up normal mystery with like a normal solution. But in the play version, she changes the ending to where the victim actually committed suicide and wasn't murdered at all. And it's interesting. So much better. When I thought there were two different versions, I was so mad. (laughs) <laughs> it is a, I think it's a way better ending than the novel, but we'll get to it when we, when we do. But it's interesting that she never did that in any of her books. Like, I wonder if she felt like it wouldn't work or it wasn't fair. She only tried it in plays and short stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe she thought people would have felt cheated. But she, she pushed the envelope on so many other things. I don't know why she would kind of stop at that. But, or maybe it had to do with her publisher. Maybe they, they were like, no, this is what's going to sell. This is what people expect of you. Right. It could be true. I'm not sure. Uh, so that I, I always remember that story as being one of her best short stories because of the twist it's, itself. It, you know, maybe the rest of it doesn't stack up so well, but I always remember that it's unique among her short stories because most of them don't seem like they're like her groundbreaking twists are usually safe in the novels. This is the one short story uh, that maybe besides the mousetrap, I don't know if it was the short story or the play that came first. I think it was the short story. But anyway, it's the one that seems the most original of all for short stories. Mm-hmm. And in The Incredible Theft, she did something similar where it's it's the kind of the obvious solution. Right. The one that you immediately discount or the one that you immediately overlook. Right. Which was common. She did that a lot. Yeah. At the beginning of a Christie book, a lot of times you're like, yeah, it's that person. But almost nine times out of ten, over the course of actually reading the book, your mind will change. And that's what makes it so frustrating. It's like, oh, because I almost always I hear people say, like, I thought it was them, but then I thought it couldn't be because of blah, 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 blah. And it makes it so much more frustrating than being like, oh, I never thought of that person. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I did think that, but you convinced me that it couldn't be true. And that's so much more smart than it was the old lady down the lane that you never even thought of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think Sabrina said the same thing about death in the clouds, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And Phoebe about uh, cards on the table. Yeah. 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 It's a common thing. And I really like to hear that when people say that, because it's just, it's what she did. It's she was really good at it. Right. Yeah. She could, she could manipulate your thought process. Yeah. She didn't. It's, it's so weird. I was telling Zach, I'm reading uh, a Nio Marsh book right now. I think it's Nio. You know her? Nope. And the AIO. She's a mystery writer who she started in the 30s. And I heard a lot of people say that she was one of the queen of crimes. Like she was slightly below Christie. So I've just started with her first book. I had read one randomly. And um, it's so weird reading a mystery book that's at the same time that's not a Christie because a lot of times I'll read it and I'll be like, that's it. 
because it's a good mystery, but it in no way like messes with your mind. It doesn't take the framework and because uh, Christie's books are good stories on their own, but oftentimes she knows that because this is a mystery book, you're going to think this. So I'm going to change it. It's like it's meta and oh, it's almost meta in a way like cards on the table, Roger Ackroyd, Orient Express, all of them that it's like a mystery on top of a mystery just because she knew how the mechanics worked. And that's how I feel about Muse too, that it, it was like a shorter version of all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Zach, you watched Triangle at Rhodes? Sure did. So before you talk about that one, that one is a short story, like Charlotte said, that later on Christy expands into the book, which is a really famous one, Evil Under the Sun, which of course mm-hmm. is way better. Um, and even though it has the same setting and pretty similar characters, it has a lot more going on in it. It has a different solution. Um, it just kind of has the same basic core to it. Right, yeah. It, and it, does, it doesn't follow exactly parallel. Right. Lines. And it works, yeah, it works independently too. Yeah, you can't read Triangle at Rose and not instantly think of Evil Under the Sun. It's right. It's too similar. And you could tell it was her that thinking... Uh, and a lot of reviews at the time said that Triangle Triangle at Rhodes was really good, but way too short because it's the shortest of all of them. Mm-hmm. And so I think she knew that. I think she knew that it had the most potential for being created into a novel of those four books at the time. Because even though the sun is, it, it's in the forties. It's in, it's not too far f- from this. So, yeah. and she definitely improves on the pattern. She, she right. has, I, th- I like both endings for different reasons, but I think that the book version is improved. and the method of killing but anyway zach why don't you tell us about what happened in it what your thoughts were while watching it if you enjoyed it okay so um the movie begins uh first off with uh well i guess it's the tv show yeah is it a tv okay well i want to say that like that theme song slaps (laughs) i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say it as a sweet sax solo (laughs) so I just got to throw that, that out there. But when, like, it starts introducing, like, when the movie actually starts, it begins with about two minutes of undistinguishable British time. <laughs> it's like, blimey, we brought me a rival. And it's like, yeah, but we are one rival. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Which led to me not understanding. Turn on subtitles. They were on. <laughs> to be fair, we watched this over Zoom together. And at first I was sharing it uh, over kind of poor internet and then it improved so the first few minutes i did kind of sum up for him because of how bad the quality was and because of that i had no idea who the redhead the redhead woman was who is the owner of the hotel and so we i get all the way through it we're finished and i said josh i have one question who is that lady and he goes the owner of the hotel and i go oh okay that makes sense you mean the movie the, the show yeah she, went, she didn't own the hotel in the show. She didn't? No, she was just a guest. Oh, sure, she owned the hotel. I guess that was just because uh, uh, she reminded me of Maggie Smith, who owns the hotel in the uh, movie. So she didn't. She was just a guest there. Sorry. Okay. The girl was just a guest. Yeah, Maggie Smith in Evil Under the Sun in the movie version owned the hotel. Yeah. It felt like she was playing, because they kind of played the same role, I feel like, in the... Uh, in the mystery and she felt like she was acting like maggie smith and she kind of looked like maggie smith in my mind 
So I kind of just jumped to that must be the Maggie Smith character. Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyway, Zach, continue. She was just well, like, so. either way, that changes nothing because I didn't understand who she was. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, man, she's really hanging around Perot. She's crushing a little bit. I can tell. She likes <laughs> to ask him on a date, but she never did. Unfortunately. <laughs> you shipped it hard though. I did. Um, I do so, agree. She was crushing on him. So like, she like buddies up with uh, Perot and they go to the beach and uh, of course he's in a full suit and a hat <laughs> and an umbrella and I'm like obvious beachwear, which is like when Zach went to the beach and refused downright refused <laughs> to not wear jeans. It was cold. <laughs> it wasn't that cold. It was like 40 degrees. Oh, it was not 40 it was. degrees. It was like a, a beach 60. It was chilly. <laughs> anyway. Um, so then in comes I guess one of the because there's only like besides Perot and that lady there's only four other characters right and the major and the major so there's five other characters so in comes the first couple and uh it's like some uh like it's it's the I was gonna say it's the guy and the woman but that doesn't describe anything (laughs) oh yeah and it's uh it's like this really snooty like guy who doesn't who doesn't want to be there and his wife who's supposed to be like really rich and beautiful and stuff and uh she divorced a couple times been divorced a couple times and um she's like you'll enjoy bathing and laying about which i wrote down because he was he was like we could have did that way closer to home and i happen to agree because that's like my everyday life is just bathing and laying around. <laughs> not bathing in a, a beach you bathe in the shower and, exactly <laughs> and then you go Even wear jeans at the better beach. and then i go lay in jeans in my bed <laughs> you love jeans jeans are my favorite um and but then you look at him and it's supposed to be this this guy who's married to the really rich woman and he's wearing a women's one piece swimsuit it looks like and i'm thinking to myself yeah, what on, the costumes uh, were crazy in this episode and so because he's doing that and i'm thinking like maybe that's just the style but then in comes the second couple and it's like this really happy friendly couple and he's wearing like swimming trunks and like a tank top and i'm like that looks normal <laughs> i feel like when we see like the you know the new orient express death of the Nile, or even like the great gatsby they make the 20s and the 30s look so glamorous and stylish and i feel like this is what it really looked like everyone right. looked like an idiot <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so it's like real clear that like the uh the husband of like the really nice husband i don't know what any of their names are it was uh douglas and marjorie is like the the red-haired guy and okay. like the girl that everybody acts is like kind of ugly Okay. And then uh, the other two are is is Valentine Shantry, right? Valentine and Commander Shantry is the is the British woman. Tony, the, Tony, Tony, Tony Shantry is the mean husband. Yeah. Okay, so um, Valentine asks Tony to go get her some cream from the hotel, <laughs> and he's like, "Yes, of course, dear." And so he goes off, and meanwhile, you see, um, uh, what was his name? Douglas. You see Douglas over there, and he's he's not gotten in the ocean with his wife yet. He's doing like all these stretches. Because yeah, Marjorie's doing laps already. <laughs> right. She's like, come in the water. And in the story, they talk about how good looking this guy is. But in he's, the movie, yeah, he's, he's just not. He's weird looking. Yeah. And he's doing those stretches, and, and you know, he's, he's not like, he's buff. not muscular. No. no. It looks like, 
Oh, it looks like me doing stretches. <laughs> well, it's like he's not muscular. He's not like super masculine. Yeah, you he, know, he was. It just didn't match what Christie described in the book and what they do in all the Evil Under the Sun movies, which is like a good-looking guy uh, who's usually got a tan and like like he's more yeah. muscular, while he her husband's a little because, older. You're right because in the in the book they made a point of saying that Valentine's husband Tony was like an old guy who looked like a gorilla, and they right. got like he wasn't like really good looking, but like he was like fairly young not like yeah. an old stuffy guy and then yeah for douglas gold like he was he was totally ginger i mean freckles and like the so red, ginger like crazy, mm-hmm. crazy red hair and just not that there's anything wrong with that yeah. was, like you wouldn't look at him and be like oh, i'm the ginger community yeah. man now we don't have any ginger fans. i would have chosen to play like a chimney sweep <laughs> he's got, got that kind of vibe to him but not not uh uh side squeeze right not side squeeze so anyway him and valentine get to flirting and everything because he opens up a bottle of nail polish i think which is just the strongest act of yeah, strength she's pretending have. like she can't open she's it. like oh the nail polish and it goes up there and it's funny because in the in the show he can't get it open at first he's like <laughs> got it <laughs> meanwhile she's probably looking at him like i was just faking i don't know what your problem is <laughs> she's like what did that take so long <laughs> <laughs> and so you know it's like clear that like mm, yeah he thinks she's you know good looking and they're getting to flirting and everything and the husband comes back and he's like mm, what's going on here um and Poro's over there and he's like giving the sneaky side eye like mm, i know what's going on i can see it and they uh the not owner of the hotel. She's Sorry. like, oh, things are really starting to spice up. It's a shame you're going to be leaving in a day, Poirot. Things are going to be getting interesting with these couples. She didn't talk like that. Um, <laughs> but that's how I'm going to be talking as her the entire time. That's good. Nobody else is getting an accent besides, I guess, if Poirot says, mama me. If he says it. Which he will. <laughs> in <laughs> my free time. You're in control. Yeah. So uh, they go to do they go to dinner? Well, the, the ne- I'll quickly do the next scenes. Yeah. Which was where, like, Marjorie and Douglas are supposed to go, like, on this trip, and Douglas just doesn't show up. And so Marjorie's with Poirot, and she's talking about, like, you know, she thinks that Valentine's such a sad woman, and she thinks divorce is terrible and whatever. Meanwhile, Douglas is with Valentine, the other wife. So right. obviously they're having these, these obvious uh, split-ups. Then they, they all take a trip together. Um, well, then they go to a restaurant. Right, they go to the restaurant and all yeah, sit at yeah, the yeah. same table, which introduces my favorite thing, which is the live band playing <laughs> so close <laughs> to the people. And like, I was thinking, that's ridiculous. And then Tony's pretty, yeah, Tony's like, what are they? Th- I can't hear anything. And Poro was like, no, let him go. Because I think Poro just didn't want to talk to anybody. Poro was like, let us respect the custom. And meanwhile, they're like, Wah! yeah, the, uh, the band went on comfortably not <laughs> yeah <laughs> so then um uh tony like accuses douglas of hitting on his wife and right because marjorie keeps talking about how terrible divorce is which is right. an obvious jab at valentine who's been married like five times and so this big argument interrupts and um marjorie Mar- Mar- marjorie marjorie <laughs> butter <laughs> she gets up and she storms away because someone accuses her of being not that great or whatever <laughs> And so she's crying and runs away. 
and then my favorite and then immediately the waiter comes up and goes are we ready to order a perot like yes i'll take the kidneys please <laughs> he's the only one who right. orders because everybody else is like so awkward before i was like let's eat and then and then my then my other favorite thing is that it, it sounds like the like the italian version of Wonderwall starts playing in the background like it's like this dum, 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 and everyone and I'm like this is where it's at right. <laughs> this is the greatest dinner <laughs> the music was I didn't realize to watch all these episodes how specific and different the music is in every episode like this one had those the guitars like you said and the the music in Dead Man's Mirror was like a weird choir the whole time like it's different every episode that was obnoxious yeah because I guess they were trying to highlight like the supernatural like that right. woman thought that she heard voices, so there was always like this yeah, yeah. Like, uh, exactly uh, about the uh, the theme, yeah, the, the kicking theme there at the beginning, like the yeah. theme. They kept repeating that in yeah. roads, but it was like with the little strummy. Uh, right. Is it a sitar? What is it? What is that little thing? Uh, I'm not sure without looking at a picture of it. Okay. But anyway, I, I wasn't paying that close to keytar. It was a keytar. A sitar is huge. You wouldn't be able to walk around with it. I don't mean that the guy was playing. I mean what you could like, what the band was. Not what well, they were in Italy, right? Okay, so it wouldn't have been a sitar because that's an uh, Indian thing. Okay. They were in Rhodes, which is apparently owned by Italy in the story. Yeah, so yeah. You're oh, right. Well, if they were in, I don't know. Either way, it slapped. Right. right. So later on, they're, they're uh, everyone like gets they along. All make up. Yeah. The two husbands make up, and the husbands are hanging out playing pool, and the ladies are out taking pictures by a big rock, and everyone's having great and and uh, having great the ma- <laughs> having great time, <laughs> and the majors there like mm, everything is going well. And meanwhile, Perot's like packed up, ready to go home, and uh, so everyone's having a great time and. Yeah, Pro goes to the uh, to get on a boat, yeah. and like the security pulls him aside and is like, "We think you're a spy," and he's just he's real mad about it because he just no, wants to go no, home. No, 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 no. So then, meanwhile, the uh, the boys go to the bar like boys do, and Tony orders a pink gin. <laughs> yeah, pink gin, please. Like like the boys do, which I realized now was my wedding drink was pink gin. Was it? Uh-huh. The special one? Yeah. That was, it was, it was the same drink. Pink gin. Yeah. It's not a manly drink, for sure. But, but Tony the gorilla tasty. got one. Um, <laughs> so then the ladies come in and they're like, oh, we had such a lovely time by the rock. You should have came. And uh, she's like, oh, she's like a pink gin. Uh, Tony's wife was like that. And uh, Tony's like, drink mine. I'll get another, dear. And... <laughs> and then she's like, all right. So she drinks it. And then she's dead. Right. And everyone's like, oh no, somebody call the doctor. And then they go get a doctor. And then uh, Marjorie goes out and she's looking for Perot no, by the hotel owner. <laughs> yeah, the red hair girl goes gets Poirot. I thought her name was Marjorie. For Marjorie me. is the other wife. Okay. Because Tony says, like, that drink was supposed to be for me and Douglas gave it to me. Douglas was trying to kill me and accidentally killed my wife. Right. I'm like, seems legit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wrap it up. And they found and, the poison in his pocket of his dick. Right. So Douglas goes to prison. Yeah. And uh, the the redhead lady goes and finds Perot, who's really upset about security because he missed his boat now. And he's and she's like, hey, she's died. And he's like, ah, I saw that coming. 
what a shame and she's like well can you come back and solve it he's like yeah of course and so they go back and he goes talks to douglas and they go poison looking uh which was a great a great scene yeah they they added this whole act where they like tried to find where the poison came from which was not in the story and just went on way too long it just was confusing of why it was there maybe just a stretch out time yeah because it's yeah, like the story's very short like yeah it wasn't um like it it wasn't snake venom in the book either was it i don't think they talked about what it was no yeah but in this they just walk around to people and they don't speak the same language and they show them a note and they go <laughs> and then they walk away and it happens for like five minutes mm-hmm. and you're thinking are they ever going to find him? And then a tiny girl finds the uh, redhead. She's like, she's, and my favorite thing is the subtitle just says, uh, speaks in another language. It doesn't give you any, any information about what's going on. So I still don't. And then she goes and there's a blind grandma who touches her face and uh, tells her that a woman buys it. And she's like, oh, it was a lady. And then Burrow's like, you see, I already knew that. And she's probably like, why did we go looking for all this <laughs> stuff? <laughs> so that he sums it up. I don't know if I'm supposed to spoil it. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. So, um, t- Tony and who I gave uh, a New York Italian accent Gorilla. now. Gorilla. Tony, Italian Tony, um, and uh, Marjorie. Shocker, are the actually the ones having an affair way back in old UK? Right. And they planned this whole thing to kill off his wife. And blame it on the husband so that they could be married and he could tell the money and stuff. Which was kind of cool because, like, Poirot points it out later and it's true that you never really see Douglas, like, you know, Do trying to take her. They, they, those two convince everybody else that he has just by saying and everybody believes it. But really, the whole time, they're just painting him to be that way so it'll look like that later yeah, on. Yeah, he looks like a bit of a flirt and like right, a friendly but never, guy, but he's he not like, did. right. Yeah. And yeah, and so that is different from the ending of Evil Under the Sun. When we won't get into that yet, but Evil Under the Sun adds a whole lot to it that that really improves the story. Not that the story wasn't good. Like the wife has a stepdaughter that hates her, and the stepdaughter's convinced that she kills her. And there's a bunch of other everybody on the island in the hotel has a reason that they hate uh, the wife in that one. She's like done things that made everybody in the room hate them. And the movie version, which we'll talk about when we get there with Peter Ustina, Roddy McDowell, uh, Diana Rigg, it's just awesome. (laughs) It's a great movie. Maggie Smith is the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll get to that. But anyway, I forget the last act. Yeah, the last act is the greatest act because there's a sweet (laughs) boat chase. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Because um, Tony and Marjorie steal their passports back because they were going to be locked down in the country Mm -hmm. so that they couldn't go anywhere while the investigation is happening. And they figure out, and then they're like, to the docks. And so they run down to the docks, and here comes the the, uh, major on a boat that he's commandeered, apparently. And he's like, I had this sold fish for five days. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know what's going on there. not Australian at all. (laughs) (laughs) He's pretending. Um, And so he's like, hop in. So they hop in and they start chasing him down. And my thing is, are they sailing from like Italy back to Britain on a speedboat? It's unclear. Because that seems like a bad plan. Well, no, no. They were in Rhodes. So it was like probably a little island. And they were, I'm guessing they were going to like the Italian coastline. Oh, okay. I'm guessing. I don't know exactly where Rhodes is, but. That makes more sense. Because I was wondering about their escape plan because it didn't seem very good. 
you're going um, across the whole Mediterranean. It's like, right. I'll be here for a couple of weeks. It was similar to Robin Hood and Men in Tights who just <laughs> swam <laughs> all the way to the coast of uh, Great Britain. Right. And so <laughs> they get on there. Going across the map. Yeah. And then they just happen to find them in the entire ocean. And they're like, there they are <laughs> on the, the exact same speedboat. And then they, they're like, oh, and then Tony's like, better grab the dynamite from this boat that we have. And he throws dynamite at them. Right. And then the Coast Guard shows up and they're like, if you light any more dynamite, we're going to shoot you. And then everyone just gives up and the movie's over. <laughs> so obviously... Yeah, it wasn't in the story. It's the same thing I said about them adding action to all these old episodes. But also, would you throw dynamite? Would you throw it? <laughs> that doesn't what seem other like... option did he have? I don't know. Speed up the boat. Just try to. I mean, they were. Them, I guess they were in the exact same boat. They must have. Right. He must have been able to stay at least a little bit ahead. Of and probably was like they didn't have a gun, but I mean, maybe they should have. That would have been better than throwing dynamite. I yeah. mean, have you seen Hoodwinked? Yeah. <laughs> And that was the rabbit who did it in Hoodwink. Spoilers. <laughs> so what did you think of the story? I thought it was good. Um, and a review. <laughs> um, it was good. I thought, the, like you said, the scenes that were added from the book seemed kind of like out of place and weird. Right. In the whole like theme of it, like the searching around the streets and like the honestly pretty lame boat chase. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I'm like, all right, a boat chase. But then they don't really do it. And then it's like two seconds on the boat. Meanwhile, they spent five minutes wandering around the streets. Mm -hmm. I feel like if they were going to stretch time, they should have stretched time in the boat chase. Yeah. But maybe they only had a limited amount of time on the boats and they didn't get very good shots. <laughs> right. They didn't have that big of a boat. I would have though. these back in 10 minutes. That's right. And well, I forgot the very end of the movie, um, Perot gets kissed by the uh, redhead lady. And I'm like, shoot your shot, redhead lady. But Hastings likes the redheads, not Poirot. So it doesn't work out. I like that this story, uh, it it does something different than Evil Under the Sun or Evil Under the Sun does something different than it, I guess. But And both of them play like the love triangle, obviously. And for both of them, she does a thing where the love triangle is not what you think. And in, it's cool that in both stories, it is different. I like the twist in both stories. Yeah, me too. And they like they both work like i i don't know that necessarily that the that that one it's just because it doesn't fit with the book because she does she leads different steps to it but even on this side easily if changed could be the same twist but it's kind of cool that she she could look at the same situation and find two different ways to mess with the mechanism yeah and have a really cool twist again she was an amazing uh observer of human nature yeah are so you I thought that having like indigestion, Zach, or a heart attack. Yeah. Or... <laughs> I, ow! Don't do that. <laughs> how many I, chicken wings did you eat? How many wings? Ten. Oh, okay. And onion rings and French fries. Oh, <laughs> man. Um, and so I think I, I think it's just gas up through here. <laughs> we're not gonna have Burger King till after we're done recording. They all say. <laughs> Listen, I've been in the hospital enough. <laughs> I know that's I that's why I'm expressing concern. I'm fine. He's fine. I'm fine. A, w a little bit of wings and onion rings and French fries has never killed anybody. Andy Bundy. Andy Bundy. <laughs> Bundy. Al Bundy. No. Bundy, no. None of them. Nope. 
So, so ratings. Um, as far as short stories go, I think this one's pretty strong because we've had a lot of really weak short stories from her. Uh, I, and again, not all of it was her fault because a lot of it was in magazines and serialized, and so that made it really hard. And but this one, they were all standalone. They didn't have to have any connection whatsoever, besides that they were all mm -hmm. involving Poirot. They were at different times, different characters, different locations. So, right. Um, I think that I think it's a good. I'd say it's a good three and a half. I agree. I like that. Uh, Incredible Theft was my least favorite, but it was not a bad story by any stretch of the imagination. And that, you know, it's cool that they're a little bit longer. And I don't think it's my favorite short story collection she ever wrote, but I do think it's my favorite of the ones we've read so far. Mm -hmm. Because the highest we have is, uh, let's see, Tuesday Club, uh, no, Partners in Crime had three stars, so I would agree with you. Three and a half would put it above Death in the Clouds, and well, that's the master list, but it would put it above Partners in Crime. On the master list, it would be uh, uh, above Death in the Clouds, below Peril at End House. Sound good? Yeah, that does sound good. I love it when we agree. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say what the next book we're going to read is before we do our game. The next, since I have my list up, the next book we're going to read is Dumb Witness. I've never read that one. I've also never read it. I've seen the movie version, which I'm so annoyed at my past self for thinking that I would ever watch the movie versions of books I hadn't read. <laughs> but I was stupid. And I hear that the movie version is very different than the book. So I'm looking forward to it. Yes, that'll be fun. It is Dumb Witness, and the alternate title, strangely enough, is Poirot, Poirot Loses a Client, which is kind oh, of a weird that's title. The, oh. That's the copy I have, is Poirot Loses a Client. Huh. I'll have to go back and look, but I don't think I have that one either. <laughs> well, all right. So, Charlotte, do you have a gom? I, I do. I do have a game. Um, so you know how, like, the, there's, like, that really crazy like the most insane plane of existence you can be on is right when you're falling asleep you're not conscious you're not yet unconscious and, and any anything's possible in that in those few twilighty seconds yeah mm -hmm. so i like you you have like these thoughts sometimes and you think oh wow that's a really funny joke or that's a great like like seinfeld and the flaming lobes you know like you think it's, everything's great so I was falling asleep the other night and I was like oh this is the greatest idea for a game it's fantastic I love it I'm definitely gonna do oh that. boy did I wake up and write it down no of course not I'll remember this it's so good great. Go sleep. next morning no clue mind is a total blank come on I'm like okay maybe it really was like maybe it really sucked and like it, it wasn't any good so the other place where you let your mind wander and like you're just thinking randomly is of course when on the, you're in the shower. Oh, I was gonna say on the toilet, but yeah. <laughs> um, and and then it came back to me. So wow. we're gonna do it, whether it's a good idea or not. It was fun. Very nice. But like for some reason, what what was happening when I was falling asleep was I was thinking murder in the muse, and I was like, murder in the muse bad yelp reviews that's what my brain <laughs> that is 
Wow. Genius. That is a long bridge, but okay. Oh, I know. So, and then that's what I couldn't remember. That's like Colin Mockery in, in uh, Greatest Hits when he's like, Ben Cotton, Philly Papers, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Exactly. <laughs> Strong man, Ben Dakar, Ben Dakar, Pat Benatar. <laughs> Exactly. I don't know why it happened. It was a stretch. But anyway, so then when I got to digging, it was kind of fun. So I cool. found it, and it's not one of those things that every site that you look at all have the same ones. So I hope it's not ones that you've heard before. I doubt you've ever like done a bad Yelp review Google search. So I've written. Um, <laughs> so these are all they're, gonna fun. Be, they're all so, gonna be mine. Yeah, what I'm going to do with them is like, I'm going to read them. And then for some of them, you're going to have to supply like, what were they talking about? Like, what was the review about? Or like, they'll okay. have words or something. Cool. Um, and then we'll see. Let me get a pen. In that same state, she could solve Danny Shabom's crime. And you imagine she didn't write down who did it. She would just go back to sleep and be like, I'll remember in the morning. And then she wakes up and like, who killed Danny Oh Shabon? man, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> And right where he is meant to be. Right. Murder in the muse. Bad Yelp reviews. Man, we're losing you. Oh gosh. It's, a good, thing we're, it's a good thing we're almost halfway through like the 60 some books we need to read. The other I had another idea that I was gonna do, but I'm gonna save it because I might use it. I, I might use it for another game later, but it was way worse. If you write it, write that, it down, woman. No, write I did, it I did down. write that one okay. down, but that one okay. like came from conscious thought that i have no excuse Ooh, for no dangerous practice. that's dangerous i never think about anything while conscious it's true <laughs> all right so you guys ready yep okay so here is your first review how As do we who do you ask or do we need to buzz in or um are we together team just do rock paper scissors and see who goes first rock paper scissors shoot rock paper scissors shoot i'll go first Okay. It's a good thing I didn't go with my rules, I was going to say. What was it? <laughs> I'll tell you later. All right. <laughs> okay. As far as blanks go, this is the creme de la creme. First off, you don't even need a ride there. They pick you up from anywhere in the county. Sometimes they even get you out of bed and bring you, and it's all free of charge. Five stars. What was that review about? Somewhere they'll take you out of bed. Prison? Jail. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it was for the Alma, the Alameda County Santa Rita Jail. <laughs> I've heard that place is nice. Yeah. Five stars. Okay. Um, I have these in two separate places, so I guess Zach's going next, right? Well organized. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Zach. Yes. A traveler gave this area that they visited, like on vacation, one star. Why? Because they said the name is rather misleading. So you got to tell me what was wrong. Why did they not like this place? They visited the Labrador Sea, which is between Greenland and Canada. Why did they give it one star? Uh, because they thought it was going to be Labrador the dogs. Yeah. And it, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very <clears throat> good. That's a, the Labradoodle Sea is what they were thinking of. <laughs> they were like, oh, I was thinking of Golden Retrievers. Yeah. <laughs> Not the same. Yeah, they thought it was a different dog. 
<laughs> Only into okay. the long hair. These aren't too hard yet. Maybe maybe we'll be all right. All right. Probably okay, not. Josh, you ready? Yes. Maybe we'll be having all night. <laughs> this one gets me every time. My lover Karen and I adore this place so much. We're considering holding our commitment ceremony here. Hope they do weddings. Five stars. My lover Karen. So it's obviously a fast food place or a very low rate <laughs> restaurant. Uh, maybe like a Golden Corral type place. I'm going to go with Golden Corral. Okay. It was the Chick-fil-A in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, mm. A little higher than I was thinking. I should have gave them more credit. <laughs> Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. If I wasn't afraid of commitment, I might commit to Chick Fil A in Atlanta. <laughs> Mary, <Okay. laughs> Chick Fil A does cater, though. Yeah, that's true. So, I'm was born ready. Okay, this is review is for a taco stand. Okay. Apply like the reason why they gave it a bad review. <laughs> The entire kitchen and wait staff saw a blank and ran outside, leaving me alone in the restaurant. Ten minutes later, they all came back with blank. I still can't believe this actually happened. One star. There's so many things it could be. I mean, I, it could be like a rat, or it could be like because I'm feeling like the a demo gorgon. It's, it's. I would run. They came back with eleven. You're right. <laughs> They came back with a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> um, it could be... I feel like it's an animal, yeah. not a demogorgon. I agree. That's technically a fourth-dimensional being. We'll have to ask Guthrie. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll say... I'll, I'll just say rat, because I feel like that's... Okay, so they saw a rat and ran outside, but then they came back with what? Shovels. Okay. <laughs> That's definitely just to beat the rat. You know, it's funny. I found a review like that and didn't use that one, which is funny. So that's not the answer, sadly. But Dang there it. was one about a, a bar that somebody killed a rat with a bar stool and then like didn't clean up the mess. God. Oof. Anyway, this one was the entire kitchen and wait staff saw an ice cream truck. And ran out oh. <laughs> the restaurant. Ten minutes later, they all came back in with ice cream cones. Wow, <laughs> that's how you know that's you're not, way better. You're not ready to run a business if you can't resist the sound of an ice cream jingle. I'm not ready to run a business. You've never even experienced an ice cream truck, and yet, yet I so want to. Yeah. <laughs> I once. I wish I was you. Well, I was at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by my statement. <laughs> you guys are still tied. Okay, Josh, you it ready? Was, it was Danny's funeral. Yep. <laughs> this funeral hasn't happened yet i know we're playing waiting for the mystery to be solved before that happens <laughs> yeah he can't rest until then okay josh here is the review um it's for a hookah place i guess it says hookah was great but someone got blanked while we were there so i'm taking a star away for that four out of five would return again wearing body armor someone got stabbed Nope, shot. No. Dang it! That was I was yeah. I thought that, but I decided to. I thought it might be funnier if they were stabbed, which isn't true. But <laughs> shot seems more likely because it it did happen. Though you were talent agent. 
what what is what where were they at what kind of place uh hookah what is that like the weird smoking smoky things like caterpillar was smoking it and now it's wonderland um okay what were you, what were you i was wondering if they had a large quantity of vinegar well i i was thinking that too but then i remembered that danny was found in a uh elementary school gymnasium <laughs> remember oh yes i do because it was the third grade <laughs> okay whose turn is it now? it's my turn correct okay so here's the review train wreck no greeting no eye contact no thanks i asked for a mini bagel that was stacked in a jar on the counter it was inedible when i complained to the cashier she informed me that i had asked for a blank bagel one star um oh well maybe i know uh ask for a blank bagel you asked for a it was inedible i don't know what that means a stale bagel it was disgusting like like she couldn't eat it uh i don't know i have no idea what this could be i'm so blanking (laughs) what do you think i thought maybe it was like a dog treat Oh, Josh stole. Yep. Yeah. Uh, my first thought would have been that it was a display bagel. Like someone was. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she informed me that I asked for a dog bagel. When I pointed out that there is no label on the jar whatsoever, nothing that indicates that this was made for canine consumption, she just said that she thought I had bought it for my dog. <laughs> and then there huh? was some, then there was some profanity, and there's like, "Did you see me come in here with a dog? These people are idiots." Selling bagels can't be that hard. That that one I kind of am with the cashier. I mean, they don't need to spell it out. It would be nice to have a label, but also you can't blame the cashier for not having you it. You said, I want that. And right. they gave it to They're you. They're not going to be like, this is for dogs, you know. But that does kind of remind me of when you, Charlotte, had a, that bowl of, of fake fruit on your uh, table with an actual tomato in it, in which I gave a very vigorous squeeze, assuming it was a fake tomato. <laughs> No, 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 that, that's got nothing to do with it because as Zach pointed out, you just ran over and started squeezing the fruit without any type of introduction or like request for permission, nothing. One star, <laughs> unprofessional, <laughs> would not squeeze again. <laughs> okay, last one. So it's two to one, Josh is winning. Wow, that can't last what long. With this one, you'll have to try to steal this one, Zach, if you want to make it a tie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so excited! I'm so excited. I'm ready. <clears throat> I'm even readier. Okay. <laughs> Don't be too ready. Okay. Ready for? This is the review. No, it didn't say how many stars. Anyway. This place was in ruins. Stadium seemed like it hadn't been used for years. So old, none of the seats even remained had to stand. Yikes. Was it the Coliseum? Very good. That was my thought, too. Did you, like, see it in my glasses, like, the reflection? No, no, it just, it It makes sense. The ruins stuck in my head, yeah. (laughs) Very good. Thank you. Thank you. For the first time in forever. I weaned. Josh weaned. <laughs> I weaned. Josh weaned. I became, a, I became the lead singer of Ween. The, the I never speak to you again. 
Well, good job, Josh. That was um, it was a great victory. Some quality work. Thank you very much. I would like to just like change the rules so that in the end, Zach gets twelve thousand points and. <laughs> I didn't change the rules. He just so, thought quicker on his feet. You gave him an awful lot more chances. You're like, well, I'm going to give you another chance to get out of the room. Well, you left the room already. Yeah, you I chose to ask leave you the to come back. You could have tried to get over to the coffin, but you didn't. Oh, I forgot to let you guys know in that game that there was nothing wrong with the water. If you would have just swam through it to get the treasure on the other side, you would have been fine. Oh. It was just green. But if you were Grayson Fox and you used your... Uh, crook to get over there it would have snapped close and you would have got the treasure but you would have lost half of the points because you would have assumed you were stranded over there like the knight in holy grail or kevin james in the maze <laughs> anyway well i lost that was a good game charlotte i lost five points to kevin james no he gave you 25 points and, and i lost your cheek and i lost five points because i showed him my stamp collection <laughs> that's true i did take away five points for that and uh 15 because you gave yourself a bad haircut <laughs> That wasn't even my choice. I know. You were supposed to take away 15 before because I got stuck in the door, but I forgot. Oh, it's... I like that the propeller hat was, like, the uh, the ultimate, like, disaster. Yeah. Nothing you good should... came from the propeller You definitely hat. should not have tried it. I just pictured Danny Shapewell strapping on and be like, I got this, guys. <laughs> Spinning and jumping into the water. Straight into the water. <laughs> wow. Good times were had by all. Yeah. So yeah, I'll I'll save the other game for another time, hopefully. Yeah, sounds good. Our, our, our next recording session, which hopefully won't be too long, I'll just have to finish Dumb Witness and and get it to you because I am a library. Um, even yeah. though Charlotte works at a bookstore now. Oh, very very nice segue. Excellent. You're gonna drop that info now i said it out of spite not out of convenience for something you were gonna say but it you did a great job oh i take it back that wasn't supposed <laughs> to be confidential was it yeah you need to come in and buy uh finding fergus zach i am convinced it is the book for you it probably is and we Does want it cost money <laughs> yeah i'm not interested <laughs> it's really short i think you could just like stand there and read it and nobody would notice I don't think we encourage people to do that, though, at bookstores. No, no, no. no. That's we like do want to give a plug again for Wordplay, which I, I have now, I hadn't got to go to it last time we talked about it, but now I have. And it is the nicest little bookstore. It smells so good. It, it <laughs> They have, and I really liked that it, it's very small, so you don't get like book overload, but they have book recommendations out on uh, on the shelves and a little like, a caption of what the book is and why you should read it and I think that's just the coolest thing because uh, we picked out a book that I never even heard before heard of before just based off of their recommendation on the shelf and it's been great so far oh good yeah that's so it's please check out they have a store in uh, Wardensville West Virginia and where was their other store located Charlotte Frederick uh, Maryland Frederick Maryland. So check the, and you can check them out on uh, Instagram wordplay West Virginia I believe WV and check us out on Instagram don't underscore drink underscore the underscore T and we post a lot of cool things about like clips of old episodes um, different questionnaires for the show we'll also be taking information about um, Danny Shabom's demise Zach's having Zach's doing his impression of a hot dog <laughs> I'm having a heart attack Oh is that going? If that's a heart attack on this recording, 
You better keep it in. <laughs> That's not, good content, I'm baby. Not cutting it out. So, what would you like your last words to be to the audience before we cut out? Uh, y'all losers, check me out on SoundCloud. <laughs> yeah, that's the second time you said that. <laughs> oh, boy. Please drive him to the hospital this time, Josh. <laughs>